Hello and welcome to the Embodied and Empowered Podcast. Here we dive in and peel back what it is that's disconnected us from truly finding joy in our lives and breaking our codependency on perfection and overachievement so we can finally fully feel empowered and truly experience authentic success. I am your host, Melanie Tingey. Welcome back to Embodied and Empowered. I am your host, Melanie Tingey. We are on part three of our three-part mini-series on procrastination. And I've received pretty amazing responses and feedback thus far on this series, and I'm really glad, super glad that it has been helpful and interesting for you. And if this is your first episode and first time joining us, welcome. I am so stoked that you're here. And if you are a returning listener, thank you. I'm so grateful to have you on this journey and to have your support. As we dive into this week's episode, I want to take just a few minutes to recap what we have discussed and what's been shared so far. In part one, I shared the symptoms of procrastination, how it shows up in your life. And as humans, we're all going to face and wrestle somewhat with procrastination in various ways and different intensities. It's something that I personally have danced with aggressively through many seasons of my life and learning how to overcome it, balance it, and sometimes defeat it has been a journey of learning and significant growth. The symptoms are delaying, avoiding, excusing, poor time management, and guilt and shame. Then in part two, last week's episode, We went through the root reasons for why procrastination shows up in our lives. Some of those root reasons were childhood experiences, parenting styles you were raised with, what got you praise and attention, and internal beliefs that even parallel or company people-pleasing. These are all parts and pieces of what the root reasons can be. And if you missed it, I invite you to go back and listen. It's under 30 minutes at normal speed. You can always speed it up. Today, part three, we're talking about how we can start healing those root reasons so we can have faster U-turns when procrastination shows up and we can experience longer gaps between procrastination showing up in our lives. So let's get to it. So as we begin, there's really two roads or routes that need to be followed and processed through to resolve the root reasons of procrastination. Road one, you need tools that you can use to overcome the symptoms in the moments they show up because you still have a job to do or a goal to attain. And again, procrastination, it's not ever going to 100% go away. We can heal and slow things down. But when it shows up, how do you combat that, right? And then we have the second road or the second option or route. 
you need tools to actually help you work through and heal the root reasons that are creating your symptoms of procrastination. We're going to go through each road or approach so that you are empowered to really find reprieve from procrastination. For road one, addressing the symptoms when they come up in the moment, I'm going to be sharing tools that actually come from a Harvard Business Review that studied procrastination. And it's titled, Five Research-Based Strategies for Overcoming Procrastination. Kind of perfect for what we're talking about. And I'm going to include the link so that you can go to that in the show notes. One thing that is important to understand, and I didn't even realize this before now, is the power and significance of the speed of choice or the speed of decision. When we are faced with decisions and choices, our logical and our emotional brain battle. They're going to battle it out. And it's only once the decision is made that the battle subsides. Those two parts of our brain stop fighting each other. And in the article, it actually says, quote, the logical part of your brain surrenders the moment you choose, close quote. So regardless, regardless of what you choose, the logical part of your brain will surrender to your choice. So the tools I'm going to share with you from this review are starting points to help you decide and to not let procrastination win because procrastination really is an emotional response at the end of the day. So number one, reverse the trigger for your procrastination. So I'll give you some examples, but whatever the trigger is, we've talked about some of the symptoms, whatever's triggering the symptom, how can you reverse it? So what do we mean? Let's say you're delaying because of fear. You can reframe the task so that it feels less scary. Can you turn it into a game rather than a daunting project? Gamifying certain tasks is actually a tool that is helpful for more than just procrastination. It's a tool that can help with distractibility. It's creating whatever type of game is it, how much can you get done in a set amount of time, how many, like, that's something that I'll do often is how much can I get done in this amount of time? Or I'll set, I, I want to get this much done in this amount of time and I'll race to see if I can do it. Take a break and then I'll do it again, but try and add a few more tasks to it. Gamify it. If the task is feeling too big for you, can you break it down into specific structured pieces and only focus on each piece one at a time? So we're reversing the trigger so if, you're, if it's too big, how can you make it smaller? The second tool when procrastination does show up is work with your resistance level. This is especially helpful when you are feeling like you have to do all of it. Dedicating smaller amounts of time to working on the task. You could ask yourself, can I work on it for 30 minutes? And if you don't feel like 30 minutes is, is doable, okay, can I do 20 minutes? Can I do 10 Use this pairing back methodology until you reach a time frame that you no longer, no longer feel the resistance to working on the task or the goal, whatever it is that you are procrastinating. And number three, do something. Do anything. Just get started. It's the lowest barrier to entry, the smallest task, the shortest task, Because the energy to start is usually the hardest part. It's actually known as activation energy. Once you activate and you've already got it going, it can be easier to keep going. 
So choose the easiest thing first. And in the article, I actually want to share a paragraph that they put in this article that helps give context to why starting is so powerful when you are experiencing a desire or a pull to procrastinate. And it says, quote, Research suggests that we remember uncompleted or uninterrupted tasks better than projects we've finished. It's like listening to a catchy song, only to have it unexpectedly cut off in the middle and have it stuck in your head the rest of the day. Starting a task means you'll continue to process it, and this makes you more likely to resume the work later, close quote. So when I read this, I actually had to share it with my husband because so often he gets songs stuck in his head and I get why now. It's he either thought about it and only played a portion of the song in his head as he was thinking about it or talking about it with me, or he only heard a snippet of the song and didn't get to finish it. So it plays on a loop in his head. And when it, when this has happened to him and he has a song stuck in his head, he's, he's actually said to me, and I don't, he, he didn't realize why he has said, can I just listen to the song? He needed to hear it through to completion and, and hear the song finish. And then it was no longer in his head. I don't think it's ever once happened where he's played the song that's been stuck in his head and it's still there later. So this, this concept of unfinished, it stays on the brain. So start a task, just start and your brain will do the rest. You're not going to want to leave it unfinished. So you'll end up coming back to it later or continue working on it longer than you think you initially want to. The fourth tool, when procrastination does show up, actually list the costs of procrastination, list them. So in the article, this tool is particularly helpful with really, really big tasks. It doesn't need to take a long time to write down the costs. It can sound like, oh my gosh, I'm going to write this huge list. It doesn't have to take that long. So you're going to list the ways that procrastinating the task, the goal, the project, how that could affect your, for example, your social life, your finances, stress levels, relationships, happiness, health, literally anything else. How is it going to affect these different areas if I continue to procrastinate doing it? As humans, when we see the cost of something or the possible cost of something and we get real, because you could have the cost, but what's the emotional result of that cost, right? It helps us override the negative or hard emotions that are actually making procrastination really enticing. So give yourself time, five minutes to just brainstorm what's the real cost of not working on this right now and procrastinating it. And the last one is disconnect. Literally, unplug all the devices that you turn to when you procrastinate. Netflix, Hulu, social media, a game, whatever it is, unplug it. You might have to turn off the Wi-Fi. You can turn off the data on certain apps on your phone or all of cellular data and just like go in straight airplane mode. Turn it off. This is actually a step you can preemptively use. So if you know, and I, I'm pretty sure you do, you know the things that you tend to avoid and procrastinate. 
So strategically plan ahead. Turn off the things you turn to when you procrastinate so that when you actually need to engage in the activity of the project or the task, you don't have available to you your typical tools of procrastination. So each of these suggestions come from the Harvard Business Review article, and they are there to help you combat the symptoms of procrastination when they actually show up for you. They are powerful and they're necessary to have in your toolbox or in your arsenal. This brings us to the second road, addressing the root reasons for your procrastinating tendencies. It's an emotional response and emotion, here's the key, emotion is a result of a current response based on past experiences. So when we're triggered, it's literally something from the past that still kind of lives in the body that's being re-engaged and we're having a response to something that happened years ago re-engaged today. And I want to highlight a few things before we really, really jump into these that we talked about in the previous episode that are some of the root reasons for delaying, avoiding, and excusing. Okay, so we've got low self-esteem was one of the things that came up quite frequently. Negative self-belief, either in your abilities or future capabilities. Belief that what other people think and say is more important than how you think and feel about yourself. These were threads that were weaving through a number of the root reasons for procrastination. They're very common and interrelated. So as we talk about ways to begin healing and addressing these root reasons, feeding your procrastination, there can be significant or minorly significant events or periods of time in your life that you realize today actually initiated or started these beliefs or at least reinforce them. And I strongly encourage you and invite you to have someone that you can work with, a therapist, a coach, a friend, a spouse, someone you feel really comfortable talking with and observe, acknowledge, and then set aside time for this. We're not going to ignore, we're not going to rebury, we're going to allow ourselves time and the ability to acknowledge that today, as you're listening to this podcast, you might not have the time and capacity to spend significant energy really processing now, but give yourself time and capacity and space to do it at another time. And I speak from personal experience on this. When we start looking at ourselves, it requires a level of Detachment from self, not completely detachment, but you've got to be able to observe what's happening without placing meaning, blame, judgment, shame. It's, it's a, about being curious and observing, not, not creating a meaning or a story around it. And as we're first starting out, that's something that is easier said than done, unless we have another individual there to help us see it in perspective. Okay. So you might find personally that some areas that come up that we're talking about today might require further and deeper review and processing so that you can release that. And so that the why, 
no longer has any limiting hold on you. Now, as we start going through these, if there is one of them that you feel more resistance to, that's one that I invite you to spend more time with. Go deeper with it. Practice it. Implement it. Usually the things that we feel resistance to when it comes to a healing process are actually the things that we need to spend the time healing or the tool that we need to use to help us heal. Okay. So with all of that, let's let's get into road two. How do we really start addressing and healing those root reasons for procrastination? The first thing when we are going to begin a healing process, any healing process, in this particular instance, we're talking about procrastination, is mindfulness and emotional awareness. So mindfulness is about being in the here and the now. No judgment, it's observation and curiosity. We're not attaching or applying meaning or reasons to what we observe. And what you observe is your thoughts, emotions, sensations, responses in the body or responses of the mind. It's curious observation. That's it. And the emotional awareness, it might require that you have to expand your emotional vocabulary. So many of us did not get proper education or introduction to the many different emotions that you can feel and experience. There's like four to six that I think we all know pretty well. Happy, sad, angry, embarrassed, frustrated, but there's a lot more. I mean, you can Google emotional wheel and there's a quote unquote good emotional wheel and a quote unquote bad emotional wheel. So many different words that describe emotions and things that we feel. And it's about learning the vocabulary to apply and and understand what it is that we are feeling. And as you become more aware and familiar with the massive spectrum of emotion, it's also about regulating the emotion. It means not allowing the emotion to get into the driver's seat in the moment. And instead, it's learning and using techniques to manage or process the emotion. So techniques that you can use to manage your process could be breathing exercises, relaxation exercises, and meditation. It's giving ourselves that space, the capacity to observe, identify, and sit with the feeling without judgment and without applying a meaning to it or a story to it. And these techniques help you process more quickly as you practice them. That's the kicker, my friend. It's practicing them. So if you're not familiar with this, with these techniques, this is actually something I help my clients with. As a coach, I work with women to help them remove their blocks, achieve their goals, and arming them with tools like these to successfully traverse everyday situations throughout their life. Because everything we face in our daily life is going to engage our emotional capacities and it's our maturity and ability to notice and respond instead of react and judge. Because that's what I have done a lot of my life and what I notice a lot of women that I work with 
they'll react and then judge their reaction rather than notice and then respond. And that takes coaching and practice and awareness and then practice and awareness and practice forever. Okay, so mindfulness and emotional awareness. The second thing to begin practicing and implementing frequently and consistently is self-compassion. We say that word a lot. It's a very common self-compassion. Have grace for yourself. Give yourself grace. What do we mean? It sounds simple and it, it can be. It can be simple. And it can also require more awareness than maybe you're used to at this point. That's why I have it after mindfulness and emotional awareness. Navigating emotions at first is just becoming familiar. And then once you begin processing and reframing your relationship to emotion, you can begin bringing self-compassion to each one. One of my coaches that I've worked with, who I adore, has this phrase that she'll say, and I've adopted it myself, when there's a, an uncomfortable or a hard emotion that I'm experiencing or someone that I'm, I'm working with is experiencing. And the phrase is, that makes a lot of sense. It makes sense that you would feel that way because it's emotion. It's going to be an, an internal bodily response that we have. It makes sense. It's, it's accepting yourself today. It's recognizing Here's what self-compassion really is, in my opinion. It's recognizing that you are not what you have done. You are not what you feel. You, you are perfect and divine and whole, even if you feel differently. Feelings are not people. People have feelings, but we are not our feelings. How you feel does not change the reality of who and what you are. So self-compassion is that ability to acknowledge the unchanging divine aspects and wholeness of who and what we are while we also experience these challenging and hard emotions sometimes. It doesn't change who we are. And then journeying into the emotions behind your procrastination specifically, you're going to find that you're going to, the question you'll default to is, why am I feeling this way? As humans, we tend to want and, and we're attracted to that question of why. Like the three-year-old when they're learning about the world around them. Why? But why? And it's like 20 questions, but all the questions are why, right? I'm going to invite you to remove the why questions more often and replace them with different formatted questions. What could, the, what could be a reason for the emotion? Where in my life is this emotion coming from? Who in my life do I feel this way around? How could this emotion be guiding me? How could this emotion be hindering me? What lesson is in the way that I feel? What event or lesson is the emotion masking? Who, what, where, when, how, these types of questions can help you get to the part of you that actually needs the attention, not the why. The why is a reason, it's not a cause. The what, the who, the where, those are the, the pieces that help us understand where it's coming from. Why doesn't always actually engage change. 
but it's a really easy question and one that we often default to as humans. And there's nothing wrong with it. When you ask these questions, here's the piece I want you to remember. Don't judge the answer that comes up for you. You've got to trust that whatever comes up as a response to these self-reflecting questions is perfect. It's going to give you the direction and focus that you need to heal the root reasons. As you are exploring these emotions and as you're practicing self-compassion, notice how you describe how you're feeling. Do you say, I'm tired, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm exhausted. I am is a really powerful statement. It's it's stating something about who and what you are. But remember, you are not your feelings. You simply have feelings. So instead of saying, I'm angry, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, add, literally add the word feeling. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling tired. I feel peaceful. Because that's what it is. You're feeling a certain way, but you are not that way. It's not just, you're not just anger. That's not who you are. That's not what you are. And so literally reframing the words that we use and using them in the right way can help us have a better relationship to emotion and help us have better self-compassion for what we're experiencing. Now, another aspect of this too, and this one, the self-compassion, there's a lot of layers to it. It's the words we use. It's the questions that we ask ourselves. And it's how we actually respond to these questions sometimes. So these who, what, where, when, how questions, you could use those questions as journaling prompts because journaling is a really great way to help you redirect and not judge the emotion, but to simply be curious about it. And for me, journaling has been an immensely helpful tool throughout all of my life, especially right now. I've been doing morning pages. Um, It's part of the book, The Artist's Way, which it's a book, but it's a 12-week program. And it takes me like 30 to 45 minutes every morning, no joke, because you have to do three full pages. So it's brain dump, stream of consciousness, whatever comes up, and I'll have like 12 different brain like topic changes. But it's just a stream of consciousness and it's been so helpful for me in so many different ways. Music is also really helpful to help me kind of detach from the stories I'm creating about the emotions that I'm having and really just step into the emotions with curiosity and having somebody to talk to. I will process a lot with my husband, with friends, with family, and with my coaches. And this leads us to number three, the third way to begin healing these root reasons for our procrastination, which is narrative reframing. That sounds so fancy. Narrative reframing. Okay, so it's a natural human tendency to feel emotion. We've talked about this. And immediately craft a reason or a story for why that emotion is there. Again, why questions create stories. And when we ask, why am I feeling this way? We're going to create a reason why. Your your brain is going to come up with an answer. And it's probably not going to be fact. And when we ask why, it's a deflection response. It separates ourselves from the emotion because we've been conditioned to see hard emotions as bad. And we have a tendency to say, I am the emotion. And we don't want to be bad. So again, there's, there's separation to observe, but then there's separation to avoid. 
right? And this, when, when we apply and immediately put in a story or a reason for why we have an emotion, we are detaching fully from it so that we aren't the emotion, but we still aren't processing the emotion when we do that. Again, journaling, a great way to capture the stories that we are using to describe why we have these certain feelings and emotions. And we've got to be able to identify the stories so then we can reframe the stories. So I'm going to take you through an example. This isn't exactly anything that me and my spouse have particularly been through, but it's a very common experience that many partnerships go through. Okay, so let's say I'm talking with my spouse. It's the end of the day. I ask for some help around the house because it's gotten a little bit out of control. And my spouse snaps at me. Oh my gosh, I'll get to it later. Just really condescending and rude. I'm taken back feel hurt. I feel dismissed, unimportant. And I really want to make sense of that response. And one explanation for that, that my brain will come up with is that my spouse is upset with me. I must have done something wrong to make him mad. So now not only do I feel hurt, dismissed, and unimportant, but that story, I apologize, I keep hitting my mic here, but that story takes me from feeling that those three you know, hurt, dismissed, and unimportant to also now maybe I feel disappointed. I let him down. I screwed up and I'm creating this story. And this internalized explanation, not based in fact, right? I crafted it in my head. Spouse said nothing. That's additional evidence for my internal beliefs that maybe I always mess up. I'm just not good enough. I'm not helpful enough. I'm just not enough. So while the story was crafted by my mind to make me feel better, in quotations, it's redirecting the emotion into a deeper, harder place that unhelpful feelings and unhelpful beliefs reside. And it's just kind of perpetuating those unhelpful feelings and beliefs. All because I took a response my spouse has and I put a meaning to it. He must be mad at me. I must have done something wrong. But those words never came out of his mouth in this example. So if we go back to husband responds and reacts to me, rather than going down the road of I must have done something to tick him off, what if I choose a different way to think? I reframe the story, the narrative. I could choose... That, you know, the reason for my spouse's response is that he's had a hard week and he's feeling a lot of things right now. There's a lot on his shoulders. And the response didn't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with all of the things he's feeling and all that's on his plate. I still feel hurt, dismissed, and unimportant. That's it. And I can later approach a conversation with my spouse about the exchange address the experience, and not project my own insecurities onto him and how he feels about me. Different story. One is it's about me. Holy crap, I screwed up. I ticked him off to he's having a hard time right now. And we'll have a conversation about that reaction later, but I'm going to let him have his moment knowing he's got a lot on his plate right now. And I'll share with him later how much that response hurt me. 
and journaling again. You guys, journaling has so many powerful components to it. So many reasons that many experts out there say journaling is powerful because it is. It gives us that place to dump, to brain dump everything we're thinking and feeling in a safe space. And then later, if helpful, sometimes we need to journal in like super anger ways. Those ones we don't go back and repeat. We like, I burn those. I call those burning pages. Dump and burn. Other times when we need to process and understand and get perspective, journal, brain dump, get all the stories out, then wait, wait a few days, and you can come back and read it. And you can identify where the different stories are being shared or or where we're crafting these different stories. And as you identify the threads of stories, you can start identifying the ways in which we need to reframe the narrative, core beliefs that need to be shifted and things like that. And actually shifting the story of certain situations, changing the narrative is one of the tools that we can use to start to change our core belief system. But we have to acknowledge the story that exists today and then change it. And it requires repetition, lots and lots of repetition. And always have somebody you can talk to. Always have somebody you can talk to that can help you reframe your narratives in real time. This has been a huge game changer for me and the coaches that I've worked with by having regular meetings with them. I'm able to bring things that are live and recently happened and process and reframe them in the moment. I'm sharing what happened. Here's how I feel about it. And I start going into the story and they're able to call me out in a loving way and say, okay, let's look at this for a second. Is that fact? Or is it a story? And I'm able to step back and be like, that's actually a story. There is no fact in that that didn't come out of their mouth. Okay. Is that story helping you? And if not, what story would help you better? And I can change the story. And the final piece, as we're talking about healing and addressing the root reasons for procrastination in this particular series is accountability and support. I talked about this a little bit at the beginning. It's important to have accountability and support in our healing and our growth. It can be an accountability partner, somebody you feel safe with, trust, like a friend, family member, a coach. They're there to help you stay on track and provide encouragement because healing is a journey and it's going to go through your whole life. Healing is not a destination. And the people you have in your corner are so integral to your progress. And you might find for one of those people in your corner, it's not necessarily a family member, friend, or a coach. It's a therapist. Maybe you do need more professional medical support. And there is no shame in that. I have worked with my fair share of therapists and counselors. They are so, they, they are so helpful they can support and address addressing, excuse me, the underlying psychological issues that may exist. And they help you develop effective coping strategies as you heal for your specific situations. And community. Community is, a, is an incredible part of accountability so that we can get better. Community can be physically in your area where you go meet with people in real life. And it can be virtual. I have two communities that are completely virtual. I mean, the the COVID pandemic, we all have the memories of it. It's changed the game in a lot of different ways. And one of those is the accessibility to different communities virtually. 
So I'm in a virtual book club and a virtual mastermind that is fantastic. Both of these help me connect with other women in different areas of the country, different facets of life, but we are able to support each other in these profound and beautiful ways. They're able to extend their virtual hand to support me, and I'm able to extend mine to support them. And it's people healing people. It creates inspiration and motivation as I continue on my own healing journey through life. We've gone over a lot. So let's review. When procrastination shows up, and it will, the five ways you can address the procrastination in the moment. Reverse the trigger. Work with your resistance level. Do something, anything. Just get started. List the costs of procrastinating. And disconnect. Literally disconnect from tech. Right? So those are the pieces. When procrastination shows up, and it's going to... Those are the things that we're going to use so that we can redirect quickly. In the daily routines and rituals of life, that was my dog. Thank you, Daisy. The ways that we start healing the root reasons, it's mindfulness and emotional awareness, self-compassion, narrative reframing, and accountability and support. And these four things, they are not one and done. It is how are you integrating them into your daily, weekly, and monthly life? Because it's through repetition over time that we're able to really begin to heal those root reasons. And they're layers. They're like onions. You're going to heal one layer, think you're good, and then it's going to go deeper. So when you feel like you've gone backwards, I'm going to tell you right now you haven't. Because just being able to acknowledge the fact that it feels like you've gone backwards means that you're not actually backwards. You're just remembering a feeling. And so it's working through it, working through that next layer, and the next layer will come at some point. Have that grace and compassion for yourself. Your process is 100% going to look different from everybody else's. And I hope that you give yourself the space to have your own journey and your own process without judgment. And that's hard sometimes. As a human, I can acknowledge that is hard sometimes. You're going to take step backwards and you're going to take a step forwards. It's a dance. It's not a straight shot journey. Embrace the ebb and the flow of this experience of growing and becoming better and healing. I know that as you begin practicing these tools that the procrastination can And it will begin to lessen for you. Your self-confidence is going to expand. And your belief in your own abilities to accomplish and process all of the different things you're experiencing is going to grow. And you're going to learn to love the journey. And you'll be less focused and stressed out about any final destinations. And who you become will be someone who loves all versions of you. It's a beautiful journey if you're willing to take it. It takes work and it takes consistency and dedication. Use the tools. And if you are ready to have that accountability and the progress that comes with it, I do still have spaces left in my 12-week one-to-one coaching program. And I'd love to see if it's a right fit for you. The easiest and fastest way to connect with me to find out is to shoot me a DM 
slide into my DMs on Instagram at Mel Tingy, Mel underscore Tingy. I really hope, I hope that this mini series has been informative and helpful for you. It's definitely been expanding for me, helping me really gain a better relationship with my own procrastination, having more compassion for it rather than judgment. Come over onto the gram, come hang out with me and let me know what you've enjoyed about this mini series, what pieces were really impactful for you. And if you share it, please at me, tag me on Instagram. You sharing this podcast is what helps get this message in front of other high achieving and impactful women like you. So if it has been helpful and impactful for you, please consider leaving a five-star written review on Apple or a five-star rating on Spotify. It really does help the show and the women who are needing it. And if you have a topic or a question you would like to have discussed on upcoming episodes, shoot me a, a message on Instagram or leave it in your written review on Apple Podcasts and I'll definitely make sure to bring that in upcoming episodes. I am so grateful for you and for the support that you are giving me and this podcast. So until next time, stay embodied, stay empowered, and most importantly, always stay true to you.